you have your Bibles, won't you please open up to Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 2. And we're just going to read six verses together on this Pentecost Sunday. We've heard a lot about the Holy Spirit, and this is the Sunday that's closest to the outpouring of the Spirit in the story of Jesus' uh, life, death, resurrection, and ascension. And uh, we're really trusting that today, by His Spirit, He's going to help us draw close to Himself, to Jesus. So let's read from Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2. And this is the young bride speaking. I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I had put off my garments. How could I put it on? I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? My beloved put his hand to the latch, and my heart was thrilled within me. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city, and they beat me. They bruised me. They took away my veil, those watchmen of the walls. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him, I am sick with love. We're calling this series to the Song of Songs created for closeness. And if you want to know why you exist, it is for this person, Jesus, to know him and to enjoy him. And uh, I want to look at the main thing today being what is the secret of this young bride's ability to stay close to her shepherd king? And I want us to explore today, what does a life need? What part can we play in drawing close to this amazing Son of God who loved us and has bled and died for us? And I, I want to open with my first point today is, what is directing your life? That's my first question to you. We'll ask a few as we go. What is directing your life? Because... Something very strange hits you. The very first verse of our reading this morning, she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Now, that's an odd thing to say, isn't it? How can you be fast asleep and yet your heart be wide awake? And I want to say to you this morning, that one line is the secret of the Song of Songs from her side. And it will be the secret of your life if you want to know and love and serve this Jesus. You see, it's something that I have to point out here. It's a very helpful line because on the one hand, she's having to do something very ordinary. She has to sleep, right? How many of you need a good night's sleep? Oh, yes. How many of you can relate to, why is somebody knocking at the door at the middle of the night? It's our cell phones, right? Last night, or two nights ago, I'm sorry, whoever was on staff, I forgot the alarm 
phone in, in my side door of the car. They called seven times. I'm so grateful I missed all of them. But she has to live and she has to sleep. Oh, but there's something else happening. While she's doing something very ordinary, she's awake to something and someone very extraordinary in her life. And I want to point out to you today that Song of Songs is giving you a different view of her life. And it's a view I don't want you to misunderstand. Because this morning, it's like watching a concert. If you had to watch this young girl's life, it would be like watching a concert on a stage. There's two views. If you had to sit in the audience seat and watch her life, her public life on the stage, when you read this book, you realize there's nothing special about her life. She's not living in great palaces. She's living in her mom's little house. She's not anything unique. She's not even a princess. She's a Shulamite. She is a, a, a person who, even amongst her own maidens, she's, she, she has some defects she's aware of. There is nothing out of the ordinary in her everyday life. And I can point it out to you. She has to work very hard. She has to keep vineyards, and sometimes the work was brutal. She had brothers who made her work extremely. How many of you sometimes feel your job is almost too much to bear? How many of you here this morning can relate to her needing to shepherd her flocks in the heat of the noonday sun? She's busy. Not only that, she has to eat. They head off and they go to restaurant banquet hall. They, they have to have meals together. They, they have to eat food. She has to do chores in her mom's home. I thought it was so cute the way uh, this, this shepherd again comes and taps on the window, but she's, she's mopping, she's cleaning, she's washing, she's working hard. How many feel like chores are so boring? Yeah, you, gotta, you know, you'd think a life with Jesus and a life in his presence would be more exciting than that, right? Well, how about this? She has to spend time with her friends, these maidens around her. She has to have good friendships. She has to keep ordinary friendships going. It's good for her. They, they talk to each other a lot. Sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they aren't. She has to keep good hygiene. She has to wash her feet. She gets dirty. How many of you feel like, I have to brush my teeth again today? There is nothing happening in my life that is really anything extraordinary here. I'm living my life for the way it's coming up before me. And uh, maybe the question you should be asking is that this girl is having some extraordinary life with Jesus. You know, she's just on this cloud nine. And she gets up in the morning and the, the glory of the shepherd king is there. And let me tell you, she is ordinary. Ordinary life, everyday things that you and I have to do. And if you had to sit and watch her life from the audience on her public life, looking at the stage, you think, she's no different to me. And I want to say this is very important because you might feel disqualified of living a life close to Jesus because your life is nothing exceptional. You're not a monk who gets to pray 12 hours a day. You're not a nun with that crazy outfit which feels awfully uncomfortable but prays a lot. You're not the kind of person that feels qualified because you have to work a long day. She hasn't even had kids yet. Ha ha ha, let's see how she does then. <laughs> but the truth is this. This is the truth. This romance is happening in the grit and dirt of the same life that we live. There's no difference. And don't you get annoyed when you watch those romantic movies that paint this couple you know, I, I, we watched Marley and Me. I watched it for the first time this last week. I don't know if you have, it's, it's a really good film. And Jennifer Aniston's the mom. She does a great job, but goodness me. What mom after the third kid has these rock-hard abs? I turned to my wife. I said, she says she's tired. She looks like she spent three hours in the sunbed every week. She looks amazing, friends. And you never really hear much about all the stress of work and all the feeding that has to happen and the shopping and the cooking and the cleaning. 
And friends, that's what you can think that this book is like, is that these guys never have to work, never have to do anything ordinary. It's just this wonderful, sauntering love relationship. Oh, no, it's not, friends. It's, in, it's birthed. It's experienced in the life you and I have to live. Don't you feel relieved by that today? I do. Oh, thank you, Jesus. She's normal. But yet, yet, she can experience something extraordinary in the ordinary. But it's got to do with a secret that she has. And you see what Song of Songs wants to show you. It wants to show you the secret of what brings her close to the Shepherd King over and over again. You see, the one side is you can sit and look at her life from the audience, and she's on the stage living out her public life. The other side is from backstage where you can start to see what's really driving. The director's backstage calling the shots. You can start to see from behind the curtains what is making this woman tick. And friends, that's why the Song of Songs is a song birthed in a love poem. It's about desire. It is about what is driving this lady's life. Behind the scenes, you see an extraordinary hunger, an extraordinary zeal, an extraordinary desire to be close to this shepherd king. And when you look at how she's making her life, where should I shepherd my flocks during the day? How can I do things in my ordinary life to find you, my, my shepherd king? She is expressing in her ordinary life an extraordinary desire to be close to this shepherd king. And that is why this book is radical, because it is exposing her heart's She's not interested in her hands. Her hands are doing ordinary things like you and me. Not interested in her wealth and her external material possessions. What it is interested in is what is the direction and inclination of her heart. What is driving her life? And friends, she is dominated. She is dominated by one person, by this desire for this one person, the shepherd king. I will say the reason why I don't believe this is surely about an earthly marriage is because I would be highly uncomfortable if my wife desired me to the degree that she does for him. She is, she is totally uh, not only dependent on him, but she is obsessed. There is, a, there is a divine dimension that is happening in her life towards the shepherd king. It must be more. It is more. From our new covenant eyes, we see it's about Jesus. And friends, the essential ingredient to her success in how close she gets and stays to this king is her desire, her persistent desire for him. And I want to point out to you this morning that unless you cultivate this desire in your life, you're going to go nowhere. It is possible to be in a covenant relationship called a marriage and not be close. Did you know that? Any of you ever experienced that in your, your parents that went through difficult patches and you could see, although that they were in covenant relationship, they weren't close. Or maybe in your own marriage, you've experienced where there's been this drifting. You're married. You've got the ring to prove it. You've got the vows. You've got the covenant. But there isn't closeness. Friends, it's the same thing that can happen to a Christian is you can be in a covenant relationship with this Jesus Christ and not be close to him. And the, the amazing thing about this reality is, is Peter saying very well in, in, in chapter 1, verse 5 of his second epistle, he says, you've got this faith. You've been given it as a gift. God has found you. He's birthed in you by the Spirit. Now, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue or zeal or determination. It's not knowledge first. Knowledge without desire kills any affection. Knowledge that feeds desire changes your heart. You know, the more I've gotten, we are going to be married 10 years this year, Marina and I. Yes, praise God, thank you. 
for the few of you that celebrated that moment. Can I tell you, uh, part of the reason why I wasn't here, confession session was, I, I, we had the COVID th three weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, then last weekend it was her something's birthday. And we went away together. And uh, we went for 14K walks on the beach in celebration of her birthday. You know what I realized? I love this woman. I admire her. But the more I get to know her, it feeds that desire. I go, wow, I get to be married to you. And there is this wonderful way and I want to guide us. This is, what, this is why the Song of Songs is in the middle of the Bible and after the law. is because you can know so much about this Jesus. You can know so much about him. You might be perfect in your articulation of this Bible. But friends, your heart can be so far from him. And the first thing you have to supplement, if you're going to, there's seven of them. It's wonderful. You can go read it for yourself in 2 Peter chapter 1. But the first thing you need, if you're going to progress from this gift of faith in this covenant relation, is a desire, is a zeal, is a determination, is a virtuous heart towards the king who saved you. Amen? And I want to ask you this morning, because it's something I had to ask myself. If someone had to climb backstage into your life this morning, what desire would they be seeing sitting on the director's chair? It's very easy to know. It's what you think about the most. What's been on your mind? Just think about the last week. Has Jesus had a part of that? I tell you, there's something about this relationship with being asleep and your heart being awake. Have you ever been troubled by something and it comes through in your sleep? Whatever is weighing down your heart, when you're lying on bed at night, your, your brain seems to have this really annoying subconscious processing mechanism that means that you don't get a good night. Or maybe something wonderful has happened. Have you ever put your head down and your heart is just full and you have the best sleep ever? Friends, the connection between sleep and the state of your heart and what's really weighing on your mind there is a deep closeness there. And I want to ask you this morning, what is sitting on your director's chair in terms of the desire of your heart? What are you thinking about? What's keeping you up at night? You might be asleep, but you're not really. Because friends, it is possible. This is the joy of Song of Songs. It is possible to keep yourself in such a state internally towards Jesus where he can reach you. And that's what I want to talk about today. My second point is the importance of the heart. Friends, this is sound, wonderful wisdom where she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. And the way it expresses, she hears a sound. Whoa! There's a, and she hears someone knocking. And don't you think before she hears any voice, she knows who it is? She's immediately in tune. Ha! Who's that? Is that my beloved? And friends, this state of her heart is the secret to a close relationship with Jesus. And can I just know, this is not rocket science. You don't need a PhD to know how to desire something, right? Today, this is on offer for you. You might have just come to know Jesus a few minutes ago, or you came in here to this place going, I want to know more about what these people are about. This is on offer for you. If you will have this kind of heart towards Jesus, you will experience this kind of love she has for him and receives from him. But what does it mean today to have our hearts, or to have her heart, let's look at her heart, being awake? What does that mean? It's important for us. It means her heart is alert to this shepherd king. It's ready. It's responsive. It's open. 
It's eager. It's sensitive. And it's a bit like a radar. It's the best way I can describe it. That system's on. And as soon as something comes on that dot, it's there. You know it. And the reason why it's important that she has this kind of heart towards the shepherd king is because she can't control him. Don't you notice? This is not the textbook for a good marriage. I just wanted to say, you can learn a few lessons. But if your husband leaves you in the middle of the night and without a note of telling you where he's gone and makes you walk through the night and be beaten up to find him, it's not the greatest example for marriage, okay? Don't do that, husbands. But the point is this, is that she can't control him. He operates independently of her desire. Do you notice that? He loves her, but he is not under her thumb. And the best she can do in staying close to him, he's a wonderful husband, I want to point that out, but he is the king. The king has got other things to do than be around her every second of every day, saying, attending to her every woman. It's the other way around. You do recognize the authority in the relationship is not with her, it's with him. And so this need to be alert to his presence and coming is because he operates autonomously. He, he makes his own decisions uh, that she has to flow with. And it's the same with you and Jesus. Do you want a close relationship with Jesus that you'll find he's not at your beck and call? Can anyone nod and relate to what prayer life can be like? I want you, Jesus! I need you, Lord! I want to be close. I feel so far from you, and you're expressing yourself in prayer, and you're reading Scripture. You can, it happened to us a couple of weeks ago. We, we had, after the sermon that Mark preached about the unexpected um, encounters with Jesus, our small group got together and we thought, What? He might come tonight. Let's just have some worship. We have a very out-of-tune piano in our lounge, and um, uh, Nateska starts to play and prompt you, and God's presence comes. It was wonderful. Nobody wanted to go home. Last week, it was not like that at all. It was difficult. There was an absence, and although the same desire was in the room, because we all came and said, what's going to happen this week? Is you realize that this King of kings and Lord of lords has a way of sovereignly deciding how he's going to engage with you. And that means what can you really control in your relationship with him? The only thing you can really control is God and your desire for him. Are you with me this morning? You can control the awakeness of your heart to him. And I want to say to you, today from this wonderful story what is the knocking of the shepherd king in our lives you see he has a way in unexpected times like at night she's lying down in bed and he knocks at the door saying hello i want to meet with you and she's going oh not now other times she's going where is he i'm desperate for him how can i find him but friends, this knocking that we see in Song of Songs is the time when the shepherd king wants to come unusually close. It is an unexpected, wonderful moment where the shepherd king's wanting fellowship with her. And it's the same. These knockings on our hearts is the work of the Spirit when Jesus wants to come close to us. I tell you this morning, I'm not talking about a theory. It is the most wonderful experience for all. And the knocking she hears before his voice and she knows it's him and, and the first thing that knocking can be like 
by the Spirit on our hearts is when you're suddenly aware of the presence of Jesus being close to you. Notice she doesn't have to hear his voice before she knows it's him. And friends, when that happens, you must pay very careful attention to it. It is the highest, most delightful experience of the human heart. And I was sharing about our small group two weeks ago. Nobody wanted to go home, and I didn't want to end the moment because it was so wonderful to be close to Jesus. Do you know what that's like? Friends, as a Christian, we are to recognize his presence in our lives. And although you are secure in his love covenant relationship, there are times, like in a marriage, where the partner becomes very close to the other. And there is this wonderful communion. There is this wonderful enjoyment of heart and heart and nearness that words can't describe, but the heart feeds on and delights in. And I want to ask you this morning, have you experienced the knocking of Christ when he comes close to you and you know, oh my goodness, he's here. It can happen in a service. Sometimes I worry that we move on too quickly. When, when the presence of God is here, when Jesus comes amongst his people, you forget the sermon sometimes I want to say, let's just enjoy Jesus for a moment. It's such a privilege. It can happen whilst you're driving in your car and you're just praying and suddenly you feel like he's near and he's close and his presence fills the very area that you're in. It can happen whilst you're praying, you're coming faithfully in the morning and you're just coming and suddenly you're aware he's here. Suddenly you went from praying to someone who felt quite far away to somebody who was right here, reading scripture, being amongst other Christians. Friends, these moments of knocking are extremely precious. And might I say to you, my great regret of when it's happened to me was I was too quick to move on. You see, if your heart is awake to the one that loves you, Jesus, and that is your heart's desire, when he's close to you, you don't want to let him go. Work is not that important. Things around you are not that important. But I want to say, this is the Christian experience. I ask you, can you recognize, like she did, the presence of Jesus in your life? Or can you live with an interminable, indefinite amount of time where you just don't feel close to him at all? The second kind of knocking that we experience here in the Song of Songs on our hearts is the nudgings and the promptings of the Spirit. And you know sometimes... Jesus can pull you into himself to say, I want you to draw close to him, and he hasn't said a word. It's just a hunger and desire in your heart. Now, this happens more often than you think. I, I want to ask you, have you ever in your life experienced everything okay? Okay. Let's look at me quickly. Have you ever experienced in your heart, out of nowhere, you start to feel a hunger to pray more, a hunger to read your Bible? It is the most, the thing is, when it happens in your heart, you don't recognize it as being abnormal. You think, I'm a good Christian. I should want to pray. I should want to read my Bible. But friends, any increased hunger by the Holy Spirit towards Christ, it is very special, and you must respond to it. If you are in a place through this series of God awakening your heart to pray more and to be in Scripture more with Him, to get close, to, to make some adjustments like He's asking, where you have to get out of bed maybe a bit earlier or go to bed a bit later, to make room to express this hunger and thirst of drawing close to this Jesus, you need to pay attention to it. You've got to give yourself to it. 
Because what happens is when it passes, you suddenly realize that was special. And there's two ways that the knockings can come. The one is Jesus comes to you, and he's there, and you pay attention, and you enjoy it, and you slow down, and you savor it. It's the most wonderful thing. And I'll tell you now, the, only the heart that awake, that's awakened to it will recognize it. But the other thing is this, is he can pull you in, where suddenly your heart is being stirred. I just want to read scripture more. I just want to pray more. I have a hunger to know this Jesus more. That's the work of the Spirit. And if it's happening in your life, you must, please hear me, church, you must give yourself to that prompting. It will be a special, special experience for you if you will yield to it. I was speaking to a friend this morning. No, it wasn't this morning. Sorry, it was this week. It was Thursday morning. It doesn't matter when. And I remember him telling me this story. He had this unusual need to pray. And no one was there. No one was telling him to. No one was saying, feel guilty because you're not praying. He had this heightened sense of needing to pray. And he started praying. Two weeks later, two weeks later, God came and met him in a way in his room. Nobody around. Nobody laying hands where there was such an encounter with Christ and His love and the fullness of the Spirit. And He said to me, I'm so grateful I yielded to the nudging and tuggings and pullings of the Spirit because the outcome of it was too glorious to have lost. When last, might I ask you, this is, this is the experience of you being alive to Jesus. When last were you tugged in by the Spirit to say, come, come eat, come drink, come read, come have fellowship. You haven't even heard his voice. He hasn't, he hasn't commanded you anything specifically, but you yield. You do it. Friends, it will lead to the experiences that will define your faith. But I will say this. It's, this knocking is, 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 is these promptings of, of the Spirit and the presence of Jesus, but there is something more. He speaks, and she can recognize his voice. This voice says, open to me. My sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. It's not just this knocking that she is to respond to. She probably should have gotten up then, but she doesn't. So he speaks, and she knows immediately whose voice it is. It is the voice of her shepherd king. And I want to ask you today, not only can you recognize his presence, do you know the voice of Jesus in your life? Can you recognize it? There are a lot of voices in her life. There's the angry brothers. There's the mom that she stays with. There's the maidens. There's the shepherds that she's there to shepherd her flocks with. There are all these voices in her life that talk to her, that speak to her, but she is able to discern the one that really matters, her beloved, her shepherd king. And I want to ask you, are you able to discern the voice of Jesus in your life? Because he speaks. And the mark of her maturity is she gets better at discerning when it's him. And I want to ask, can you? You see, the Christian life is not about how much you know. It's what Neil says, it's what you apply. And friends, the only way you are going to grow in your relationship with Jesus is that when he speaks, you're able to discern this is him.
That's the first step. We'll see the second step that she needed and she didn't do. But friends, can you recognize the voice of Christ through His Spirit in your heart today? And if so, when last did you hear Him speak? It must trouble us as His sheep if we don't hear His voice as our shepherd. And the thing is this. It is the experience of a normal Christian life to hear the voice of Jesus. People express it differently. They say, I felt God say, as I was, as I was opening and reading my Bible, as I was praying, I felt him say this to me. Or I, I feel urged, I must do this. It might not be a specific sentence, but there are confirmations and there are highlightings where you know that this is the Lord speaking to me. This is him bringing clarity. It brings a sense of when it's his voice by the Spirit of an increased sense of, of, of ease in your heart and authority to move in the direction you should. And I'm speaking here about experience, friends. Hearing the voice is not listening to a sermon. Hearing the voice is when someone is preaching to you, you know, that was for me. When you hear someone speak and share about Jesus, it's not that now suddenly you're hearing the voice because someone's talking about him. It's the application of that prompting, that highlighting, that double lining of God saying, hey, pay attention, that that's for you. That's the application of the Spirit. That's Christ speaking to you in your heart if that's happening to you. And you can have worship songs. You can pray as much. But friends, the voice of Jesus is something that's happening in the midst of whilst all those things are happening. Are you understanding what I'm saying this morning? I want to ask, when last has it happened to you? It has been interesting for me to see the correlation between the heart that is awake to Jesus and how often it hears him speak. And I'm coming to my point this morning, eventually, about why the heart is important. It's because the state of your heart determines your ability to respond to Him. Did you hear me this morning? The state of your heart determines how you are able to respond to Him. And can I say, this is why you have to guard your heart and what you feel towards Jesus as the most important thing in your life under your control. There's a lot that you can't control as a Christian. There's a lot that you can't control in your relationship with God. You're dealing with this God on unequal terms. Oh, He loves you, yes, but you're recognizing that you are having to submit and surrender and release things into His hands that you can't control. But the one thing you can and you must is you must control your desire and affection and your feeling towards Jesus. Do you know that the essence of salvation is that God has to give you a new heart? Before you come to faith, you have a heart of stone. A heart of stone can't feel anything. A heart of stone can't do anything. A heart of stone can't respond to anything. Oh, but when you come to faith in Jesus, He has to give you a new heart. And that heart is a heart of flesh, Ezekiel says. And until that happens, you can't be a Christian. You can't have a relationship with Jesus. You can't follow Him. But the risk is this, although you receive a heart of flesh by the Spirit as a Christian, unless you guard it according to Proverbs chapter 4, it hardens, my friends. It hardens. And if your heart grows cold and hard towards Christ, you struggle to hear Him. You struggle to respond to Him. And He might be knocking. He might be saying, hey, I want to have fellowship with you. There might be nudgings of the Spirit, but your heart is so hard, you can't even respond to Him. It's inflexible. It is so saturated. It is so hard, it is unable to feel the permeations of the Spirit at all. 
and it happens easier than you think. Hebrews 3 verse 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Friends, the response to the spirits happening in our hearts, it's not just the mind. It's not just intellectual understanding. What you do with it and how you respond to it is determined by the state of your heart. I'll be honest, today, Song of Songs will speak to you if you have a heart for Jesus. But if you don't have a heart for Jesus, you'll say, please, can't we get to the next thing like Galatians? So it will help me understand my faith better. Friends, how much more understanding do you need before you'll enter into a closer, deeper relationship with Jesus? You must remember, as I'm standing here before you, we are going to present you to Christ one day as your elders. And what you know will not be the, yes, well done. It's what you have done with it and how you have responded to Christ with it. And friends, what will determine that is the state of your heart. When Jesus switched to parables, he said this. In Matthew chapter 13, he says, Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear, with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Friends, today, this is what the Song of Songs is calling from us and from you. Is is your heart awake to Jesus? Is it alive with this desire that makes you reachable to Him? You see, a dull heart leads to deafness. A, day, a dozy heart misses grace and finds it extremely difficult to commune with Jesus. And our responsibility today is to examine our hearts and to see what they feel towards Jesus. I don't know about you, but my heart gets distracted easily, right? It gets distressed easily. It gets disturbed. It struggles with doubt. It's gripped with desires for other things. It gets distant. It even gets defiant. But friends, today, if we are going to be close with Jesus, our responsibility is to minister to our hearts. And how do you do that? Is you must be totally honest. You must be totally honest. And you talk to your heart. The wisdom is to say, hey, what's going on in here? Why are you so distressed? Why are you so disturbed? Why are you so disinterested in Jesus? Why are you so distracted? You talk to it. You say, hey, what's going on here? Why are you feeling like this? And you be gentle. You don't be harsh. Hearts break easily. They shrink in fear you talk to yourself. You say, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your heart this morning? And you be totally honest. You say, I 
am afraid. I feel rejected. I feel like if I don't have that thing, I'm missing out. You phrase it, and you, you get to the place where you understand what's happening, and then you tell Jesus about it. You talk not only to your heart, you talk to him. You say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm not hiding this from you. This is where I'm at right now. I am so angry. I just don't feel anything towards you. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to read my Bible. You tell him exactly what your heart is feeling. And friends, the reason why you do that is he knows it anyway. He's just waiting for you to catch up. But until you do that, until you come to a place of recognizing where your heart is at, you can't really deal with what the problem is. It's rebellious. You tell him, I do not want to do that thing you've told me to do. And then what you do is you don't only take it to the Lord, but you feed your heart. Your heart needs to be nourished. I, I've tried to think the best way that I can explain this. There are things that you can do for your heart that make it full. And there are things that you can do for your heart that merely just distracts it, and there's a difference. And the best I can do as one of your elders today is is you start to tell your heart who Jesus is. You say to your heart, really? Is that going to last longer than Jesus? You say to your heart, really? Are you upset with that person? Look how much Jesus has forgiven you. You say, really? Has, has he been untrustworthy in this season, heart? Has there been a moment in your back, looking back on your life where he hasn't kept his word to you? Has there been anything in his character that has been a, a, a flaw? Has there been any? And starting to speak to your heart about who Jesus is and who you know him to be through the word and through experience in your life. And what you start to do is you start to tell your heart who the wonder of who this Jesus is. And friends, there is something that happens by the help of the Spirit, by the grace in that moment, the Holy Spirit gives you the right words to say, the right remembrance of certain phrases and scriptures, the right memories that come up. You'll find His partnership and help, help, the help of the Spirit being so good, you'll start to feel your heart expand with a reawakening. It's like literally there's been a defibrillation of grace upon that heart, and you start to go... Doop. Oh, Jesus, thank you for rescuing me. I saw how badly I was going after that thing or that relation, that person. I almost slipped like David said. I almost fell into that pit, and you rescued me. Thank you so much for showing me again who you are. And the heart expands in the atmosphere of the knowledge of who Jesus is and the greatness of who he is to you and the sufficiency of his hands and his words and his promises and his love. Friends, your heart begins to expand, and suddenly what you feel is awake and alive to Him. And unless you do that, things will go from bad to worse. And I want to land this morning on my last point. which is understanding the privilege 
of what it means to be close to Jesus. There's something very special about this relationship between this beloved and his bride. Do you notice that this gentleman has come, this shepherd king has come a very long way to be there in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, his hair is wet with dew. He's actually saying, I have been traveling a long way. Let me in. I want to come under your shelter. I want to come and enjoy. Maybe he needs to wash himself and be refreshed. But this isn't just her, her husband. This is the king. You think to yourself, what on earth is the king of Israel doing coming to this nobody, this girl in the middle of the night? What was on his mind? What was on his heart that got him up to say, I've got to go see her. I've got to go be with her. Sure, they were married. They were newly married. And there was a whole lot of Middle Eastern stuff around it. But what drives the king of the nation, the king who has all these important tasks to come and leave his palace and throne, to come and knock on the door of this girl's house? You think, wow! And she still says, she, she says, I, I've, just, I've just washed my feet. You know what it's like having, they had earthen floors. You know what it's like having sand in your bed? It's awful. It's all crunchy. And, you know, she's wearing her frumpy pajamas. You know, those awful things that make you look like you're 40 years older than you are. She's just lied down to sleep. And she's slow to respond because she's forgotten the awesome privilege of the king knocking outside. I tell you today, friends, the reason why it is worth having your heart awakened to this Jesus is day by day you are keeping a close assessment on your openness to him. You might not hear his voice every second of the day, but you're ready for him as you're doing those stinky nappies, as you're doing that awful admin, as you're doing all of You are alive. You're alert to this presence of the king that can rock up in a special way at any moment. You know he's there. You know you're married. You know you're secure in his life. But there could be a moment where this king knocks and he urges and he prompts and he has these wonderful moments of doing life with him, of, hearing, of, of feeling him lead you. Oh, friends, this guy, this guy, he had to leave his palace and walk some distance to a house. Our king has gone much further than that. When you realize this is the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, leaving his palace, coming down to planet earth, taking on the muck and filth and sweat of ourselves, our flesh, bleeding for us. Here, his head is wet with dew. Our king, he, his blood was pouring, bursting out of his skins because of his love for us. Here he is being crucified on a cross. Here he is being resurrected again. Then he goes to be ascended and he sends the spirit that we might not be far from him. Friends, our king is greater than this one. Our king has gone and moved heaven and earth that we might enjoy his presence today. When you realize that your life is under the interest of the King of kings and Lord of lords, when you realize he dignifies you by saying, hey man, I want to come and be with you. Friends, it is the greatest privilege of your life and you want to guard it with everything you've got. And today, I want to close in communion because what I want us to remember is when we hold this cup and this bread, we remember the privilege of what it means to have Him. Can I just say, your life will be very interested by other things when you miss the worth of Jesus. Is there any other earthly king that's dialing up on the cell phone saying, hey, do you want to do lunch? Friends, this is the king.
It's the Lord. It's the Lord of glory saying, I want to come and be with you. I've done my best today to persuade your heart to be fixed on him. But I'm trusting that the spirit inside of your heart will not let you settle for second best, which is knowing and living a life about Jesus when you have the opportunity of knowing him personally and living your life in the way that you were saved for, which is the guidance of his voice and the nearness of his presence. And that's what we're going to remind ourselves as we pick up this cup and this bread today. And I don't mind if you need to go early, but I just want to know today, perhaps today this is what you need to be primed again to go, yes, Lord. As I feel this bread and I hold this cup, I remember that this is communion. This is me being drawn into the presence of the King to do this in remembrance of him. This is what our hearts need. And I'm going to pray for us as we do so. So can the team just come up um, to serve? Just close your eyes quickly. Let's all close our eyes. All right. Jesus, today, we want to go into the backstage of our hearts. We don't want to be defined by anything else but a love for you. When people look at us, Lord, in the ordinary exertions of our everyday lives, we want them to see our love for you, this extraordinary King of Kings, closest friend, loving Savior. Life is too short to live for anything else, Lord. And I'm grateful today as we hold the cup which represents your blood. It washes our heart that's struggling with an unclear conscience that as we drink this cup today, we remember we can come because of Jesus. But also, Lord, we hold this bread because we believe that your body was given for us, standing in our place, that today we might experience freedom, joy, peace, and closeness with you. I pray, Lord, for every heart that's about to grab this cup. This is for the one who trusts in Jesus. You only come forward and take, if this is you saying, this is what's happened in my heart. I believe in Jesus with all my heart as the Savior. It's not difficult, but it's essential. Would you come forward and drink and eat and enjoy this time with Jesus? So when you're ready, come. you hold on to the elements and we'll eat and drink together.
Oh Lord, as we eat this in a moment, I pray for fresh awakenings of your spirits, fresh knockings. Some of us, the doors and the bolts rusty to the doors of our hearts, Lord. Come by your brilliant and amazing grace. Come stir us again as a congregation, Lord. Awaken us to a love for Jesus. I pray, Lord, that uh, this would grow. We'd enter into a deeper season of desire for you, Lord. That your spirit would awaken your people to a thirst and a hunger that won't be satisfied with second-rate things. But what's promised. Oh, Lord, only you can feed the soul. And I pray, God, for fresh awakenings fresh rejoicings, fresh grace, fresh pleasure and delight of being yours, God. And we pray for our hearts, Lord, to know the one that they live for today. In Jesus' name, let's eat and drink together. Lord, we've tasted, we've touched, we felt, Lord, physically these symbols of your promise to us. And I pray as every heart leaves here, there would be such a sense of a confidence and a resolution to lay hold 